Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Thanks, sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, Tops, Upper Deck, and Panini. I had uh, the good fortune of having Joshua Johnson of Cardboard Chronicles and Card Ladder on as a guest. <clears throat> so this is uh, his Dueling Questions episode that he... I think enjoyed. I certainly enjoyed. I'm not trying to stump every guest, but I want to ask them a question that hadn't been asked before, and I expect that they will do the same. Different things come out. You just have to listen to find out. So here's my dueling questions with Joshua Johnson. Okay. Welcome, Josh Johnson. Again, Cardboard Chronicles, Card Ladder. Josh is a media pro. He's like me, not trying to be flamboyant, but trying to be helpful. So he's going to try to ask some questions I hope are helpful. But it's dueling questions. He goes first, then I ask him something, and hopefully there's some sports card insights in there. So, Josh, welcome to the show. What is your least favorite aspect of the hobby? Selling cards. I only like to buy. I don't like to sell, and I need to be a net seller. I, I think that's a facetious answer, but it's the truth. My wife says, you say you're selling cards, but why are there the same amount of cards as there were uh, last year? I said, no, I got 5% less. She said, well, that 5% less for, it's going to take you 20 years to reduce it down to where it's a suitcase instead of a whole room. So selling cards, no fun for me. Okay. My, my question for you. If I were to say that I think there are some oligarchs in this hobby, who do you think I'd be talking about? You understand oligarchs, like the Russian uh, dominant, controlling, okay. ultra wealthy, so maybe even hobby information oligarchs. What does that um, conjure up in your mind for oligarchs with respect to the sports card hobby? I think the easy and lazy answer is Penny because they have the exclusive right for NBA. But I think I'm going to go with the distributors. I feel like some of the distributors are a little bit unfairly holding the supply in a lot of the stuff and charging the prices they want to charge. So I'll say the distributors. Any more? Uh, what about Nat Turner? <laughs> He's an oligarch on the supply of all the best cards. <laughs> That's a pretty good answer. Yeah, I know the high end is very focused on a select number of collectors because they either have purchased it a long time ago to where it was a lot cheaper and they're able to uh, amass a lot of more of it than you can today. Same uh, thing where in real life where Jeff Bezos owns 5% of the entire world's population with money almost. I'm making that number up, but it's like a lot of the money and a lot of the cards are with few hands. So that's definitely one. So you're not saying Ken Golden? In terms of the auction? No, the auction sites are, he's getting a lot of the big auctions recently, but I think that one's pretty spread out. There's a, there's almost too many marketplaces, I would argue. Okay. So it's spread out. So that's the opposite of oligarch. There's a, a spread. Okay. Your turn. What was your favorite card that you owned as a kid? Let's say like super young. Something that you just like, some fond memory of a card that you just have always stuck with. Got my first card in 56. It was Spook Jacobs. Definitely not memorable in the name or the card. Still have it though. 57 didn't do much. 58, I like them okay, but wasn't really in 59. I got into it a lot bigger. Can't remember any one card. I remember the high numbers coming out in our neighborhood. That was cool with the, the all-star set. 60, early win was card number one. I needed it to complete my set in the neighborhood. I made the mistake of trading some play balls from 1940 to a kid in the neighborhood. I don't know if he was some prescient collector, but this long time ago, this is 1960. I need last card I needed early win. It was in the Chicago area. He was a White Sox pitcher at that time. Traded 40 play ball. It gets worse. They were high numbers. 
it gets worse. There were a few of them. I had to trade several for one for a card now that I just, I hate that card now. So did you ask me what I hated or what I loved? <laughs> Your favorite. Yeah. The fondest memory. Uh, I think, yeah, then 61 was my big year. Roberto Clemente's my guy. Whatever would be Clemente. I was in the Pittsburgh area at that time, and any Clemente cards were good. I have a painting of the 56 tops. Clemente is one of the favorite cards. When I got that, that was cool. A long time ago. Okay, my turn. What's going to happen to Card Ladder between now and July 1st in light of the fact that PSA is most likely going to have a tsunami of cards being graded and released into your collecting pond that could mean a lot more transactions. Now, admittedly, I think you can receive them from eBay, but what do you think is going to happen to the market if 10 million cards all of a sudden show up in slabbed form in the next three months? And how would it impact you? I think it's going to make people a little bit nervous on a lot of that, the, those flip type cards, the base cards, and you're going to see a lot of those graphs trend down. You're going to see the pops go up a lot. The most requested feature that I'm still struggling with is to show a graph of how the pop report rises over time. People want to see that it went up 10% in the last year and it's going to go up 100% this year on a given card, which is a difficult task. We're thinking about it, but I definitely think with the supply going up so much, like you're pointing out, some of that stuff is just going to go down and that's how that's going to affect me. Not much. I don't own much of that stuff personally. It's going to affect our business, I think, slightly because if people are losing money on that those types of cards. They're going to cut their subscriptions and, and stop paying for cards. But I think it's going to be combated with the increase in demand over the next few months in terms of the NBA playoffs, NFL offseason, the draft. There's going to be a lot of different things that are getting people excited about the hobby overall. So I, I think it's going to be a wash in terms of that taking into account the increase in supply. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, thought about the increase in the pop report. Is it fair use of the, of oh, the pop report data? They don't publish that data. Maybe not, but you could do point in time. You could scrape it on, at the first of every quarter or something. We definitely could. Okay, my turn. Don't count mine. Don't count yours. What podcast do you listen to? And what is not being discussed that ought to be discussed? Are, are there controversial topics or sure. basic topics? What do you think is not being said that ought to be said? Where would you go that you hope you would hear something that'd be helpful that needs to be discussed about our industry? The thing that needs to be discussed more, in my opinion, is the collector mindset or the why we collect. Stacking Slabs does a really good job of that, Brett. I think he's a fantastic podcast because a lot of the content obviously is just about the price of things and how stuff's going up or down and what's the best buy, what's what should you be selling right now, things like that. And I think a long stay in the hobby is going to be what cards do people want to collect long-term? What cards do people want to invest in long-term? And so I'd like to see more content around that. And I think Brett does a really good job of thinking about things long-term and, and really digging into the mindset of a collector. He has a ton of content around that. He posts a lot of, of great Instagram quotes on that same wavelength that I'm describing. Pretend there's a situation 50 years from now where a journalist or someone that's writing about the hobby and they're going to write a small blurb about you and Beckett and the legacy. What do you want them to say? 50 years from now, <laughs> who says anybody's going to care? <laughs> I hope people care about the industry. And if they care about the industry, then you and me and anybody else that, that uh, tried to make a difference, hopefully will be part of that uh, discussion. But uh, what I'm hoping to do with this podcast is to provide some ammo you know, for somebody. I hate to say if somebody's going to do a story in 50 years, listen to all the podcasts, but they're not that long. 
and uh, they're nonlinear. But a lot of the questions that I think could come up, I'm trying to use on my own judgment as well as with some outstanding guests to bring up topics that I think are worth saving. So there, some of the podcast topics that I'm doing are not related to today. They could be something about the past. They could be something about the future. They could be something about the present. I, w- I want to build a, no, it's not a glossary. It's not a dictionary. It's not an encyclopedia, but it, it just, just uh, if I do a thousand episodes, I'm going to have a thousand 15 minute segments that somebody could piece together some of them and say, at least from this source, that's the way he saw it in hindsight, in most part in hindsight. And I would hope that some of the things I'm doing in the podcast, I'm trying to influence the influencers. I don't need to have the million circulation like we had with the magazines. That was nice, but not everybody wants to check into the history. But if they do, I want to provide a place where I can uniquely tell my story, that's for sure. And I got great guests. And if we mix up the past, present, and the future and try to draw inferences, it's going to be fun for me. And I think for the person that's really going to want to dig deeper, I think it'd be fun. They might eliminate some of them. But some of these uh, tributes that I've done, I'm talking about somebody who's been dead for a long time, but really worthy of honor. And uh, who's going to talk about them? You can read the obit, but I I knew the person. I'm not enjoying that in a morbid sense, (laughs) but they're just worthy of honor. I'm able to do some things. So in 50 years, if somebody looks back and says, if they would try to figure out, well, why did he do those episodes? Or why was he talking about that? Because I thought it was important for people to hear. And I'm retired. I don't need to be sensational. So I think 50 years is a long time. I will not be around. I'm pretty sure I'll be the oldest man on the earth. Okay. I actually have not just fantasy hobby dinners. I have actual hobby dinners that are like fantasy dinners because I have some really cool people there. I wasn't able to do it this last year because of COVID. I'm actually having a hobby content creators dinner after the show on Saturday evening at the Dallas show. If you're in Dallas, you want to pop in, just be casual, but it'll be all podcasters. It, it won't be a huge group, but we'll bat things around. I'll probably record uh, an episode or two like I've done here when it's in my back house. So my question to you is, if you were going to do that, who would you want at your dinner to talk about the hobby? Who are the influencers and people? Like I said, I'm restricting this just to hobby content creators which I don't do when I do it here because I've done the card companies and other stuff, but just the content creators, it's going to be a wonderful group. If you're in town, absolutely invited. So if you do something like that, I'm not even going to restrict you to five or 10 or whatever you want to do. Just so you don't have to offend anybody by saying you only can pick one <laughs> or three. What would be your thinking? In the fantasy dinners, you could do dead or alive. I think there's enough alive people, but you want to put up somebody that's no longer here, that's fine too. So on the spot, Josh. That would be an amazing dinner. So I will be in Dallas. So hopefully I can get that invite. That would be incredible. And I thought you were going to go for the athlete and I had my answers. The athlete (laughs) one is so easy, but the content creators one. I'm a pretty simple guy when it comes to like parties and dinners. I like small crowds. So that's going to be a cop out for me to just pick a few. I like my friends. So I'd probably just have Chris and Brett. And I was thinking of more not content creators, but just people in the hobby that I feel. No, my dinner's But who would you want to spend time with in a small group of dinner? and hear their perspective. Chris and Brett, that sounds terrific. You don't have to limit it, but would you want somebody from the card companies or Ken Golden or Chris Ivey or Brett Higgins or Ezra Levine? Any of those people, they're probably some of those you've interviewed, but in a social, casual thing, does that appeal? Yeah, no offense to any of those people, but I would probably go more towards just like regular everyday collects that I enjoy being around as opposed to the business side. Because at a dinner... I feel like that dinner would turn into a business thing really quickly, especially given that I'm in the business as well. No offense to those people. I, they're all great individuals. 
a dinner for me is just like a different question where I'm talking about something that relaxes me and something more. I'm thinking of guys like Grant Waldorf stories. He's got a great Instagram account. I think Nat would be great just because we'd talk cards. We'd talk 90s cards. We'd talk rare stuff. We would talk stuff that we think is underappreciated and stuff that we've always enjoyed collecting that maybe others don't. Yeah, I'll take it in a little bit of a different direction. Obviously, all those names you've named are you know, titans of the industry and they would be great to have dinner with. I just take it a little bit different direction. Okay. Well, that's, that's reasonable. But uh, like I said, when you're the inviter, which I am on some of these things, I, you've raised the interesting point that when I was running the company, we had a lot of company dinners, but taking on all comers and letting everybody have a shot at you, that didn't sound so appealing. We did some things like that occasionally, but now that I'm retired and a bunch of hobby content creators, uh, that'll be fun. And you're absolutely invited. So thanks, Josh. It's going to be May 22nd. A lot of my episodes are intended to be timeless. This will not be because now that I'm announcing this, somebody else may say, hey, I want to come too. If you're in town and you're a hobby content creator, then you can be invited. But it's invitation only, but invitations are free, but you got to be a hobby content creator. Anyway, Josh, you absolutely qualify. Thanks for sharing your, your wisdom and your insight. Thanks for the dueling questions, not asking any possible questions. And I'll be back tomorrow with another episode and Josh will be back every day with Card Ladder. So keep up the good work. So thanks. Thanks for having me. Yep. The man in the house.